Hey, how's it going, Champagne Sharks? Hope everyone's doing well. Just wanted to uh, do some quick house cleaning, let people know. Go to ChampagneSharks.com and you get access to all the links related to Champagne Sharks. You can go there and find it all. And you can find where we are on social media, our products, all that stuff. Also, Patreon benefits, which includes Discord server, book club night, movie night discussions, show notes, newsletter, and most importantly, bonus episodes. So definitely become a patron for $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. And without further ado, here is the episode. Take care. Are, you? Are we recording now? So what I was asking is, do you guys think that the way that you phrase your point and render it totally ineffectual. Like if you if you have valid points, but then you speak it and say it in a reckless kind of way or, or a nonchalant, careless kind of way, can it just totally turn people off and invalidate the point that you're trying to push in the first place? Absolutely. That's what I was discussing. One hundred percent. And the I, context, and go with the context. What, what's the context of what you were? Um... Well, the context of it, the greater context is the conversation about uh, you know the impact of gang culture within Black society as a whole. But then, within the context of that of that greater discussion, is the methodology that some people choose to use to to attack the problem. So you have on one hand, you have people like Charleston White. You know, you know, fuck gangs and they pieces of shit and they can rot in hell and Nipsey Hussle, fuck him and fuck who's, Monster Cody. Who's Charleston White? You have to tell us who Charleston White. Um, I don't know really much about the guy, except supposedly he was a former gang member based out of Texas somewhere, something or other. And he did some time in jail or, or something like that over a murder. He's getting out and now he's trying to... Uh, you know, talk to the youth about not getting in gangs and all that kind of thing. He's changed his life supposedly. And, you know, basically he's really kind of a blowhard. He's one of these dudes that just kind of speaks real reckless. And he got a lot of internet attention because that, you know, talking crazy like that online can get you a lot of attention nowadays. And so now he's had like spots on Vlad TV and a lot of popular uh, venues and stuff like that. Wait, and so and what's, his, what's his name? What's, what's his name, please? Charles, I just want to Google him. Charleston White. Yeah, we've talked about him on the show before, T. Oh, wait. was he? Did he used to be a pimp or no? No. No, he looks like Cat Williams. Yeah, we oh, talked about him someone. on the show before months ago. Months ago, we talked about him on the oh, live stream. I've seen him. Yeah. I've seen him. Yeah, I've seen him. But for some reason, all this time, I thought this guy was an ex-pimp. I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> Are you thinking about the pimp chronicles? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe because like of the, maybe because of the name. Because Charleston White sounds like a total pimp name. Well, I mean, you got Welcome Home Charleston. What's the name of the black exploitation movie? Welcome Home Charleston. Uh, what is it called? What is the name of that movie? It's with, it's got Richard Pryor in it. Um, uh, oh, oh, um, Charleston Blue. Is it Welcome Charleston, Charleston Blue. Blue? Yeah, Welcome yeah, Home Charleston yeah. Blue. Yeah, I'll say this because I know exactly who. Uh, Mario's talking about, and I saw the interview that you're talking about with Mob James from. Well, let me, uh, let me, let me, oh, yeah, let go me, ahead. Let me. Uh, so, and then there's another gentleman by the name of Mob James. Same situation. Former gang member, ex felon, the whole nine. He goes about. He wants to change. The, he doesn't, you know, advocate gang banging anymore, or anything like that. He wants to change the culture as well. But he has a different way of going about it, seeing as though you know he's from 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 Compton and. You know, he really lived that life and he understands it. And he still cares about a lot of people that are in that life because he understands it. And I guess you call it having empathy for the situation. So, you know, they got into an altercation, a verbal altercation. I can't even think of the name of the podcast that they were on where they had the verbal altercation. But to me, it kind of I saw some real agent provocateur kind of behavior by uh, the Charleston White guy. And it kind of got me thinking, you know, first of all, he had his own private phone going and he put it to the side to record this. I guess he went live and then he put his phone to the side so he could record the thing live while the other guys thought they were talking within the, you know, having a private conversation or something like that or just doing a podcast, not knowing that he was live streaming everything on the side. And then what happened was he started just talking real crazy and reckless, like just out of the blue. But people were trying to reason with the brother and talk to him, you know, in a normal tone. He just started going off, talking real crazy. F these niggas and these niggas are destroying the community. F them and 
this, that, and the other. I'm not talking mm-hmm. to, just talking real crazy. And then Mob James, you know, him being a real former street dude, he kind of took offense to that and tempers flared and, you know, things got heated. And one and some more some more context in the mob James, he was the head security guard for Tupac in uh, Death Row. Oh okay. That's right, that's right, that's right. Uh Suge Knight. In the early he was there in the early days of Death Row when they was yeah. just breaking from when uh, Dr. Dre and Suge had just gotten out of the, the Ruthless Records situation. Um Tupac came a little bit later. He had stopped affiliating with, with Suge and then by the time Tupac came along and then his his brother was name was Buntry. And yeah, he yeah. took over the security role and, and got into all that craziness. With His brother this, got murdered uh, right. not too long ago. Well, in the late 90s. In the late 90s, yeah. Um, but so I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, this is some real agent type behavior. You, you talk real reckless, you instigate a situation, and then you get a, a, a negative reaction, try and set somebody up for a downfall. I just kind of peeped that out. But then there is this greater conversation that's happening where I see a lot of people talking about this. You know, gangs are a plague on the community. They need to be eradicated and this, that and the other. So there is room to discuss this, but I'm just tripping on how it's being discussed. You know what I'm saying? Like people don't seem to really know how to attack the problem. I thought I look at it like this. And I think when I seen what I saw from the interview was uh, two things. One, like you said, James, James has a lot of empathy because he comes from the situation. And although Charleston White may have been a gang member or whatever, he's not from L.A. So at the end of the day, Charleston White is talking from Texas, talking about a situation that does not. He's talking about a situation Now, this is and we can we don't have to go this far into. This is the reason why I wanted Kev Mack to come on to our podcast to talk about this, because he's the historical side of things or even Alex Alonzo from Street Gangs. The most important thing is that people have to realize, and it ain't just black people. You know, I notice he always talking about black people. Mexican gangs were here before black gangs. Yep. They were in L.A. in the 1930s. So were Italians. So yeah, were White, White Fence, so White Fence is no, one of the facts. oldest gangs in Los facts. Angeles. White Fence has been there since 1934, something like that. So the thing about it is what he doesn't understand is how deep into the fabric that gang culture and gangs have been in Los Angeles for more, almost, like, almost 800 years. You know what I'm saying? So, and because we're talking about Mexicans also, because it's the majority of Mexicans in South Los Angeles. Right. So, when you want to talk about it's deeper than that, what it sounds like to me is it's more self hate and clout chasing. And I hate to use that cliche term of clout chasing, but that's exactly what it is. Because at the end of the day, do I think he's an agent provocateur? No, I just think he's a fucking idiot. Well, no, you know but here's the thing, Ken. He does say that if you do something to me, I'm going to oh, report it all the time. I'm going to take it to the police. He said, but you, should, but you know involved. as a street person, I'm not saying you in particularly, but if you a street person, you know that you never deal with a dude like him. Never, dude, ever. That's you what never piss- deal with a dude like him. But that's wait, what pisses uh, uh, me. A, like, a dude like who? And by, by Charleston like him. White. By like, like Charleston him. White. By like Charleston him. White what gets do you on mean? these shows and he starts yelling about, if they do this, I'm going to call the police. And then he start, he what he does is he, he speaks out both sides of his mouth. On one side of his mouth, he wants to sound like a gangster and I got guns and all this other kind of stuff. But on the other side, he talks about how if I see gangs doing this, I'm calling 911. Well, you're a goddamn civilian. You're supposed to. So and this is... Go, I was gonna, I was gonna say I'm actually reading about it now because I just I wish you guys had sent me the link to this because or maybe you did and I missed it but this it's off the good. cuff I'm sorry yeah. man I, yeah. I, I it was just something that I was <laughs> but, I literally just woke up this morning go ahead go ahead no 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 I, I just meant so I could have seen it when it came out because this is actually pretty an, a really interesting conversation it's that very they had. interesting and it's I'm, very interesting and from what I'm reading uh, there were actually white co-hosts on top of that right yes which I yes. think. So yes, yes I'm, I'm reading it now, and my that's my first issue. Why are y'all talking about this shit with white people? That's my exactly. first issue. Exactly. That's and mm-hmm. that was my whole thing because I'm like, you could have took this conversation to Alex Alonzo, you could have took this conversation to Kev Mack, you could have took it to the Gangster Chronicles with uh, Big Steel and MCA. You could have had it on there. These are all sufficient podcast platforms. Well, see, and the problem now is he's he's talked so recklessly about L.A., about Nipsey Hussle, and about now those conversations are almost going to be impossible to have. Mm-hmm. So, I mean? and, and I, I was reading, when I was just reading a, a synopsis, I just Googled who is Charleston White, and one of the first things that came up was that he was talking shit about George Floyd and DMX. Exactly. Which lets me know he's, he's literally trying to do things to be antagonistic for attention. I think it is probably more clout chasing. Yes. The reason why I wouldn't say he's an agent provocateur is only because I don't think he has enough sense to be. 
Like exactly. he does, he doesn't come across as a person who's actually intellectually sound enough to actually be that that um, devious. I just think he's, I think he's lit, pretty ignorant. And from what I'm reading in this article, it says Mob James took issue with Charleston White, claiming he did not wish to understand gang culture and would work with law enforcement to rid to get rid of gangs. That to me is what is super highlighting. Because why the fuck would you want to work with the police? And why would the you biggest ignore- gang in L.A.? Right. Like, why <laughs> was he ever was, was he ever in the life? He claims he was. I think me personally, I think he's one of those dudes that had a little taste of it and and got out of it. At, excuse me, got out of it at an early age or something like that. Because he think was a, he was what it sounded like to me. Because I I read up on the story. It sounded like he was a crash test dummy. So he did something at age fifteen. Went to jail. Did some time for a murder that should have never even been committed. I don't even think the murder was gang related. I, for, I don't even think that uh, for, it's coming out now that he wasn't even the person that, that did it. Right. He just right, was right. there or something he like that. He just was there. So. And what happened was more than likely. Now, I don't know if this is true. You know what I'm saying? But more than likely what has happened is he went to prison and probably got violated. Not and not that kind of way. I ain't saying that. But probably got violated in a certain type of way that he wasn't prepared for in the prison system. So whether that was being beat up, whether it was being pressed by gangs, whether it was just being afraid or whatever. And when he came out, that this is how he came out. He came out anti-gang, anti-black. Yes. Okay. Yes. He came out that way. He was he wanted to be a part of this when he was out, but he didn't understand the consequences of what he signed up for. And now he wants to attack. And his prop his issue is. He's attacking a culture and an area that he's not familiar with. It would be like if the, I don't know, the Russian army uh, came to L.A. to fight Crips and Bloods. How the fuck would you know who's a Crip and who's a Blood if you were part of the Russian army? Well, he claims You would need superior intelligence to figure that out. He claims that he wasn't speaking on L.A. initially, but then L.A. started speaking on him and what he had to say. And him being one of these people that have... Uh, Logaria of the mouth, you know, he can't help what comes out of his mouth. You know what I'm saying? So he started, My grandma used to say that. Yeah, it doesn't even sound right. LA don't even function like that. Right. Diarrhea of the mouth. He just says whatever comes to his mind, yeah. you know, and lets it fly. Go ahead, v. You know, I was just uh, reading. First of all, real quick question, Kenny. Mob James, it was in the podcast that you sent me about mental health. Yes. Okay. First of all, I love him. I think he's amazing. I thought that. Interview. When you hear his story about the abuse that he went through as a child, it, his dad was a listen, very abusive. A that lot, man, lot going on. that man, and the guy who was a host are probably my two favorite people on earth. Actually, all the guys. I sent, I sent that oh, to wow. you like, like months dope. ago. Dude. Yeah, a bunch of months ago. Yeah, I never forgot it. I watched. Actually, I watched it like three times since you sent it to me because I, I just love the entire conversation from black men who are, have actually lived that life, you know. And it was intelligent yeah. conversation. It wasn't. It wasn't on some bullshit. And I loved it. And I loved what Mob James had to say. So when I'm reading uh, what took place in this conversation, Mob James argued against Charleston White, saying that there was value in rescuing blacks from gang culture that believes the American justice system views African-Americans the same, regardless of their affiliations. Because Mob James is fucking right and he's fucking smart. And I don't think I actually question Charleston White's real intentions because I don't think he really wants to help anybody. And that's why why, and that's why my answer to the question before we started recording, you you had asked, you know, can the way you give your message invalidate what you're saying? And this is a perfect example of how that happens. If you're not trying to actually be effective, you say the shit Charleston White is saying, right? He doesn't want to help black people. He don't give a fuck about black people. If he did, he wouldn't say, Oh, let me help send them to the slaughter of the American justice system that we know has been um, 100% discriminatory and abusive to black men. He knows this, but he's saying he wants to help that system. That's not a person who wants to help the black people. He doesn't even see the value in black life, black male life because of where they might have ended up, whether they're in the streets or they're doing drugs or whatever it is. That to me is a person who's not trying to help anybody. He doesn't care. His message isn't about actually changing things and helping black people. His message is, I want to help the white supremacist system and I'm gonna stand up for it for some reason niggas come out of jail and I've never understood this even more like they're damn near Republicans no I I, I understand understand that I understand that to a degree because I think what happens to a lot of people is that uh the person or the people who you have the most like visceral vivid like memories of like you know violating you doing wrong to you are like, yeah, look right, like, like you. Yeah. yeah, like black people. Like white people are responsible for all of it, but they're almost like an abstraction. 
You know, like because I, I met people like that, and you know, we try to explain to them that oh, here's a history of redlining, and here's a history of unfair policing, and three strikes. That's like an an, an abstract thing to them, but they know about like uh, some black guy recklessly eyeballing them. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, shit pops off, you know, or right, the person right. that shot, you know, up their house. Well, so, that takes that takes for you to do a lot of uh, research to do all this to where yeah. I can just go step outside in my neighborhood where everybody looks like me, and there's going to be someone who's going to exactly. step on my shoe. And then jail is like that concentrated. That's yeah. a good point. That's spilling out because it's, it's the whole conversation about proximity. You know what I'm saying? And, and and a lot of people don't really understand how that how that works. And it, and it actually spills over into a few different areas that are controversial, right? Because you have the so-called um, swirler. What do they call themselves? Divesting movement. Yeah. yeah. They oh, don't yeah. really seem to understand proximity, right? right? Because they sprout out all these statistics about what black men do to black women and da 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 da. And they're usually gauging based off of their personal experiences with black men. Yeah, right, which, and, is, which is anecdotal evidence. Exactly. Every negative experience mm-hmm. I've ever had in my dating life has been with a black woman. So do I attribute that to black something being functionally wrong with black women? Hell no. That's no. just who I dated exclusively my entire life was black women. But you, so, see, it, you <laughs> see it online with those people. They'll be saying white people don't do this. White people don't do that. And sometimes you see white people get into the comments like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I right. did it last night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. you I beat my wife yesterday. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just got out of jail. Uh, right. Another thing that divestors bring up, which I think is another example, is they'll be like, you know, uh, people always make me feel bad about like my dark skin and, you know, my natural hair. But then like, like white guys did this and that. And then I'm like, do you think like, you know, in the coast of Africa, like pre-colonial, like before a slave trade, there were just, uh, you know, black people in the tribes, like a bunch of Zulus. And the guys are like, man, I wish these bitches had straight hair, you know, man, I, I, saw, I saw me a fine ass red bone. Like, like, like all this stuff came from white people, like, like white people put uh, this stuff in like black people's heads and slavery and colonialism. And now just because a couple of white people now find it like exotic or whatever, suddenly like you're giving them credit for uh for five minutes not partaking in the whole dynamic they created for hundreds of yeah. years like you know as if like black people just spontaneously independently um learn to dislike you know dark skin and natural hair you know but then you're asking them to read again t yeah yeah <laughs> They don't want to read. They want instant gratification. So whatever they can touch and feels good, you know, now the proximity is no longer in your neighborhood. It's on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. That's your proximity now. Now you can get uh, whatever it is you want through social media. But, you know, like Charleston White, like this is the crazy thing. Why didn't you go fix Texas? I mean, they got a serious gang problem in Dallas, Texas. Like everybody know about Oak Cliff, South Dallas. They got serious issues. They didn't have rappers getting shot there. What's the rapper named Mo3? He got killed there. Blue Boosie got shot there. They have serious problems down there in Dallas, Texas. But you won't address Dallas because you know when you go into the community talking that shit, the way you're up. talking it, yeah. it you're going to get your ass whooped. Yep, yep. You know that's going to happen. So it's easier to just go attack L.A. because you ain't got to go to L.A. You can just talk online and yell all day long, throw stones and hide your hands. You ain't never got a touchdown in Los Angeles ever. Uh, something something else I noticed too is a lot of people will be like uh, those people who have like a decent message but deliver it the wrong way consistently. A lot of times, sooner or later, you gotta find out they believe in the wrong message too. Like anyway, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and another example is like uh, Kevin Samuels. Like, like here's another example: the things he says that make sense and are right. You know, um, he delivers them in the most toxic way possible. But if you listen to him long enough. You find out all these fucked up uh, things that there's no yeah, good way sure to deliver it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. actually a great example because I think and Kevin Samuel and, and guys like him, not necessarily talking about relationships, just anything that undercurrent is still there because at the root of it all is still some bullshit. It's still hatred, right? It's whether hatred of women, hatred of other black people, whatever it is. That's really at the root of their perspective. It's not even about the thing they're talking about half the time. And their goal, by the way, people like Kevin Samuel. His goal is not to help people. That is not at all his goal. He's an entertainer, yeah, period. Right. And he right. sells, and he's a marketer, period, right? So it's not about helping people. That's where the message, I think, gets fucked up in the sense, right? Like, there, because there is no real message. He's just repeating a statement, but there's, the goal isn't to affect you in a positive way. Right. The, his goal is to, in, to incite you. 
Exactly, because that's what gets views. That's what gets clicks. And that's, that's why how he can market keep himself. People exactly. keep calling and calling to a show because they get in, they get excited. And this is the way it works. I mean, you know, they, it works like this on TV. You know what I'm saying? When you watch TV, a perfect example, wrestling. We know wrestling's fake. We know it's staged. It's scripted. But in the crowds, in the kids at home, when uh, Dusty Rhodes uh, gets cheated in a match by Macho Man because he came from the back with a chair, we get emotional behind it. Man, that's fucked up. How can he do that to Dusty Rhodes? <laughs> well, it's scripted, but it's entertainment. You know what I'm saying? Right. And you lose yourself. That's the illusion of entertainment. You will lose yourself in this. You know what I'm exactly. saying? People do it in movies. That's Even though facts. we know it's a movie that was recorded and taped and produced and directed, we do it in movies where we get emotional behind these things. So they're just tapping into the same thing. And, you know, uh, Charleston White does it in the most raggedy way. But that's exactly what it is. It's all entertainment. I sit here and I will watch basketball, which I don't like, but I'll watch it anyway, knowing that I believe that the referees rigged the games. You guys have heard me say that 5,000 times. I believe the referees rigged the games. I'm still watching this stupid shit. I don't yeah. know why. You know what I'm saying? But I do. I don't know it, why. It's you know almost, what I'm yeah, it's, it's like even watching an award show. You know all that shit's fake. You know that they done paid somebody, kiss somebody ass, suck the right dick. You know that. Well, once you told me how they do the award shows, I'd never watch them again. <laughs> it's, all, it's all fake. It's not it's, real. Oh, it's all who you know. You know what? Actually, um, another, it's funny because if, if you ever watch Bojack Horseman, which honestly is a great show, I didn't think I would like it because I don't really like corny animation in a way, but they mm-hmm. actually touch on some really good shit. And one of the things they talk about is how people get Oscars and, and Emmys and stuff. Basically, they have to literally have lunch with people. And I actually thought that was something on TV. Come to find out that's a real thing. They have to find out who the judges are, sway them, find out what they like, spend time with them, be likable for them. You have to do a lot of shit for them to even support you. And most of the time, if you're an inter- if you're a music artist, especially a record label is usually helping to pay for that or support yeah, yeah, that. Right. Yeah. And if you're yep. an actor, it's usually whatever studio wants to, wants to get the Emmy or the Oscar or whatever for the movie that you rent. So we have this belief that shit is real. None of that shit's real. All and that's the reason why, like, even especially in music, like you can, you know, everybody loves Motown. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, oh, Motown. But then you'll find these rare Philly soul records. You're like, man, this shit is way better than Motown. Way better. Then you find out, oh, they didn't get no push and they just got left out in the cold and they was just, you know, a a great group. And, you know, you're like, but how how did they disregard this sound? This sounds better. This sounds better than Marvin Gaye. This sounds better than The Temptations. But the reality is, they're so Philly. And I would even say the same for Memphis because that's what Stax Stax was also popping too. That's Isaac Hayes and them, right? Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, they made really good music for music people. The Motown made pop music. Right. Uh, what's his name? Barry Gordy was brilliant. He and his songwriters, they would all sit in a room. They always tell these stories. They would sit in these rooms and go over the songs, listen to them, have the artists go back and do it over if they had to, because no, nah, this isn't going to work. They wanted something simple and catchy. People could repeat baby love, you know? But, right. um, but they really wanted the white audience, too. Like, if you read, oh, up, if you read up on it, like, it was a very kind... Con- it's not a coincidence that white people really took to Motown like Barry Gordy wanted black music that w- that was we'll crossover it, yeah yeah it, it, it was like uh it was like a frappuccino like some people like a real coffee lover you know can drink like black coffee straight but you know uh casuals can drink frappuccinos it's barely even recognizable as, as coffee which is not to say that you know Motown's bad it's a very good frappuccino but it's not right 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 it's not right. hardcore soul it's, it's not going to be the substance that's the same that you're getting from Philly or the sound that you're getting from Memphis, right? So I, I definitely... And also, remember, Motown also moved to L.A. <laughs> like, that was right, the other right, thing, right? Right, 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 um, right. So that... The thing is, they're... Like T pointed out, they wanted a white audience. They wanted to cross over. They wanted to go pop. Going pop literally means getting a white audience, right? Great way and to the, put it true. And when you have a white audience in America, you have a wide audience. They wanted yeah. to sell records. Black people like music. Right. Yeah, we love yeah. that's why we can sing album cuts that our parents listen to. White right. people have never heard of half the songs that we know. Right. White people have no idea who Howard Hewitt is. At all. I, le- At I learned all. that. I learned that recently. I thought they didn't even know who Jill Scott was. That was the yeah. craziest one. <laughs> right. I was like, she's I'm thinking she's huge to us. They, they know Whitney Houston. They know Michael Jackson. They know Luther Vandross. Right. They have no idea who Shalimar is. White, right. people, white people have two extremes. Like there's like the 80% of them who don't know anything. And then the other like 20% will be like super like cultural, oh, nerds. cultural tourist nerds. music nerds yeah, who will like yeah. know everything. Like there was a bartender uh, at my like local bar. He was like some like young hipster dude. 
And uh, I remember he was playing all these like '90s uh, and '80s like R&B, neo soul, like uh, Shalimar. And I was like, I was like, uh, whose music is this? Because oh, this is my music, man. I love this stuff. But you could tell it was like you know uh, a hobby for him. But but he had like an exhaustive uh, idea of everything. But you know the context is all different because he doesn't have like the type of uh, relationship to the music that someone who grew up on it. Who went to exactly. cookouts? Who went to like basement grandma's party. house? Went yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like academic. It's like academic to him. Yes, yeah, very academic. Ooh, yeah, I love that's, that. a, that's an absolute. That's perfect. I love how that's you exactly said that. Yes. what that is because you know, guys, you guys know I, I, I buy a lot of records. I have a lot of records. This, the way I look at music and records is different. When I go to a record show, like you said, it's real academic because it's almost like they compete with each other. Hey, but did you know about this one Throbbing Gristle album? I'm like, what? Like, no. Oh my bro. god, they love doing that. They do that shit in hip hop too. They yeah, always they name do. some obscure ass shit, and they be like, "You don't know about that?" Or I say it's garbage. What? You must like some name some corny. And I'm like, what I the think fuck we talked about that too. How uh, white people will go to a hip hop show and and pretty much try to tell you what's real hip hop. Oh, exactly. That's what. That's literally what they do. And the funny thing is, I watch a lot of old movies, right? And white people literally have been doing that since the beginning of time. They literally like to try to, like I was watching, in fact, somebody posted, I think on Twitter, and then I went and tried to watch parts of the movie where these um, white people, it's like these young white people at like a dance or something, maybe like they're in their late teens, early 20s maybe. And there's an orchestra there playing music and people, I guess, are they're not really dancing. So these white people come in, it's like a 19... 30s 40s some shit movie and so they come in these young white people and they're like hey this this music is good but it doesn't have any rhythm it doesn't have any you have to get into the groove like they're, they're repeating the statements that they hear black people say but all fucked yeah. up and they're like oh yeah you know and they try to even clap with a different beat so they can show the orchestra how to play the song the orchestra plays a more upbeat version of whatever bullshit they were playing and then next thing you know these white folks are like jitterbugging and shit which is another <laughs> black dance right? right so but but the fact that they've always been like oh trying to like be these experts oh this is from Harlem and like they're, they're going on about this music like they actually know what they're talking about but yeah. and then they go to their little white dance and there's mind you there's no black people in the entire scene none not even serving something like there's no black people at all they're just in there telling other white people about our music that they learned right. about from visiting harlem not because you know, they're and, a part and, of the culture you know i'm on a segue <laughs> La La Land had that this, too. this is a perfect example good segue locks and dipset that's Woo! how you that's the difference between yes. when you see the locks and what they did in that versus battle versus what dipset who was on a re- well-known label rockefeller with jay-z commercial albums, commercial all hits, these kind yep. of things. And you've seen how there was absolutely no cohesiveness. The music didn't translate. It, the music didn't age well at all. Like it none was, of Dipset's music yeah. has, tra- has, has aged well at all. And really at the end of the day, maybe the Locks music didn't either, but they knew how to control the crowd and to keep you entertained as entertainers. You know yes. what I'm saying? Because there's a lot of Michael Jackson music that didn't age well. I mean, really, if you listen to Thriller, did Thriller age well? It's 2021. Oh, man. No, I think it did, man. But I'm, I'm think biased. think so? <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's bi- okay, well, T, at least T admitted he's biased. I was going to say, Kenny, you can't do Michael, though. You gotta give no, I'm not hating. I'm not, I still listen to it to this day, but I'm just saying, like, when you listen to some Michael Jackson songs or even Prince, some Prince songs, you'd be like, that didn't sound well, like it was Prince- made yesterday. Some Prince you know? songs. You know what? That's a good point. Because I was actually watching something and it was, uh, what was I watching? And I was like, yo, this song sounds hella. D-. Oh, I was listening to Karen White. Um, And so I forgot why I was listening to her. I think it came on. She's the one who sings Superwoman. And that's, yeah, yeah, only, yeah. So that's yeah. the only song most black people know. Uh, and, which is, and that's another example. A song all the black people know that white people don't know. Yeah, that's the only song I know of Karen White. <laughs> and yeah, because the rest of it sounds like dated garbage. And I was yeah. like, yo, this sounds like it was made with the synthesizer. Another example, Just yeah. Got Paid, Friday Night. Listen to oh, the music Oh, yeah, Johnny in that. Kemp. Yeah, Johnny Kemp. Oh, my Kemp. God. But, but, that shit but I've, I've had so this discussion dated. with Kenny that I feel like New Jack Swing, like, I'll even go as far as, like, Guy. Like, Guy had some really good songs, but if you try to listen to, like, the cuts that weren't released, you know, on the album, you know, like, as, as singles, and a lot of the stuff just sounds like really cheap synthesizer music. I always say, like, yeah. a lot of New Jack it is, just yeah. sounds really, really cheap. Like, it, like, it's recorded in a tin can. Even though the actual melody of the song is a, is great. I, I will not ignore the contributions that New Jack Sing, Swing had, because without New Jack Swing, there's no Mary J. Blige and all this kind of stuff, or Jodeci. But... I will agree with you on that, Tina. I think I disagreed with you at first, but I do agree with you. It does not age well. New Jack Swing did not age well at all. I like the melodies and the singing. Like Aaron Hall is like an all-time great to me, to me, uh, vocalist and stuff. Like and very, and very copied. 
He's very confident. Yeah, yeah. Oh, facts. That's super facts. R. Kelly, his first album, it was a public announcement. He was <laughs> ripping off oh, yeah. uh, Aaron Hall so bad. sounded just like yeah. him. Even how to do his demeanor. It was <laughs> it was yeah. like the whole package. Yep. Um, but I wanted to get back to that Dipset Locks point because oh, yeah. um, Dipset, I think their music, like their big hits, I think aged okay. Like they could, but it's hard to really say because I actually liked the really big ones, right? Like um, Old I, Boy I, and Hey Yeah, Mom. yeah. yeah. And, and I like Cameron. And yeah, yeah. just an anthem. I, I love Cameron. I don't think any of Jim Jones shit aged well. I think Ballin no. had a moment and it's kind of corny to me now. I think Certified Gangsters was corny when it came out because, like, who was me certifying too. you? Um, yeah, yeah and, and also Gang, the, Gang was certifying him, so there, there's that, that right there. <laughs> yeah, right, and, exactly. And that, song, and that song is basically the Easy E song anyway. Which, it which, is. Which right. I'd rather listen to the original Easy E song than, than Certified Gangster. Because well, Easy E fucking hard that, as fuck. Well, you got to remember, that's when uh, Jim Jones and all them was claiming to be Bloods and all that. So yeah. They oh, yeah. Game. That's they put right. him in and do a West on a West Coast beat. Now as he's trying to get certified out here, which didn't work. You know what I'm saying? Right, Plus right. trying to get certified by game. That's a lost cause. Yeah. You know, I, so. And that's what I think, but I think you also raised a really good point. The locks music may or may not have aged well, but I think they kind of stayed consistent with their sound for the yeah. most part. Yeah. And when it came time to perform, it felt like it was present. Like it didn't feel old. If they, they had a look they old. had a plan. Them they had a, been working. They had a plan. Their plan. You know, and I, I get it at the end. They told everybody that, you know, the fake, they, they were beefing like it was fake. You know, uh, that's fine. But when it came down to it, you could tell Dipset got emotional because they lost. And you could tell that they knew they lost because they weren't that good. They And they couldn't, they didn't sound good. They didn't look good. See, this is the other thing um, that I loved about that uh, versus is that the locks, you could tell they performed together still. Yes. You could tell that they're in shape. They didn't. Yes. They looked basically the same as they did when they were younger. They really did, right? Yeah. And they've been promoting a healthy lifestyle pretty heavily. And I thought that was beautiful to see them be look youthful, uh, sound good, and in sync. The, yeah. the Dipset. I they look better than when them. they came out. Physically. Yeah, yeah. They look good. Yo, yo, look. They sounded and looked so good when they came out. I my jaw was almost like my jaw dropped. I was like, whoa! And I can hear literally every single lyric, even when all three of them are rapping at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Dipset was one person could be rapping, and I could barely hear his ass. And there's somebody in the and, background. And not hyping. only that, this is something that I saw. I was watching um some YouTube videos. I think I was watching Gully TV. And I wanted to ask T about this because T, you're from New York. But the, the dude from Gully TV was saying basically, he's like, the reason why Dipset look the way they look because that's typical Harlem. Like they're all for themselves. They're not together. Yeah. That's you know what they I'm saying? Look like. I'll that's give kind you, of their history. Yeah. I'll give you a good example uh, about Harlem. Harlem's a funny place, right? Because Harlem is the part of New York where um, culturally they're kind of hard to deal with. And what, what I mean by that is, and no, no disrespect to like fans from Harlem, but a lot of y'all are going to know. We agree what I'm talking about. Harlem so loves the smell of its own farts. Like, right. like Harlem people will always forever be telling you, and you can see it like for yourself. Like, if you look at things like Paid in Full and all this stuff, like you look at Paid in Full, Alpo, all this stuff. Uh, if you didn't watch the movie or look at the story, you would think, oh man, this is some noble Godfather type stuff. Then when you actually look at the movie or hear the story, it's like, okay, people are snitching. There's like, yeah, a lot of like backbiting and stuff but very selfishness yeah but Harlem people love everything about Harlem if you have a Harlem friend they will tell you about every street legend from like way 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 back they'll tell you about um every they'll tell you they're related to Bumpy Johnson or something yeah and I don't blame because it has a really good history you know like like the history of Harlem is like amazing it's undeniable great history absolutely yeah it's a great history but it leads to a lot of people in my opinion never like being able to um get past it you know even if the right. person at the end of the day when you look at it, you're like okay this person is kind of like just a snitch i don't think he's true this person is really uh all there's that. no honor in this yeah yeah but you can't really tell like uh haunting people that but uh you can see in a lot of like dipset history they did some stuff where i'm like okay like the the locks people the rough riders people never did shit like this like they're beefing with each other <laughs> they're beefing with each other and then um all the dipset people got mad at Cameron, right? And they, they had right. a beef back in the day. I don't know if you remember this, but then, you know, 50 Cent loves trolling. I think 50 Cent had some kind of beef with Cameron. 50 Cent went out and did some kind of like appearance and he came out with all the dipset people to kind of stick it to Cameron. <laughs> and then funny. a lot of 50 people. 50 is notorious for that shit. Yeah. A lot of people were like, <laughs> look, I understand if you have some problem. It'll be like if uh, 
me and Kenny had some kind of problem for some reason. And instead of working it out and thinking, okay, um, I don't want to do anything too effed up because I want to be friends one day. That'd be like one day if like Base Pluto uh, calls me up <laughs> and, and is like, yo, you want to come on a video? We could talk about Ken. And I'm like, oh yeah. You know, like, <laughs> even um, for people who know Base Even Pluto, if you don't say anything bad about me, it's the simple fact that you're there. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm doing it to stick it like to you. Like, you know what I mean? For people who right, know, right, Base right. Pluto was like this incel guy who had some kind of beef with Ken and did like six hours of videos about yeah. uh ken and stuff and it's and it's like people are saying okay even if you're having some kind of problem with your man you don't need to go on 50 cent and 50 cent shit and uh co-sign him you know this and your boy because that makes you look like weak is it you know yeah yeah that makes you look like like even if you have a problem with your man don't don't do that and but that's something like those guys will will do like they'll be mad at each other and when you when they're mad at each other like anything goes it's almost like they bully each other. They bully each other yeah. to a certain degree. Yeah, and also, like, how fucked up is it to go publicly to somebody who's fucking with somebody you used to fuck with? You know, like, 50 Cent's clearly fucking with Cam trying to be an asshole. Why would you be on 50's side presently publicly? Like, how does that make you look? It actually makes you look like a fucking asshole. Um, exactly. The other- the other thing I was just thinking about one time I was in the airport, I was going to the, going to New York for the first time, and there was this girl who was waiting to uh, to get on the we were waiting to get on the plane, and she was a black girl from Brooklyn, and we were we just started talking, had a great conversation, um, and one of the things she was telling me, she said, "Look, I can tell you where people are from just based where people are from in New York just based off of how they're dressed, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, right." She was like, "Watch," and so this guy comes up to wait for the plane too. He's going to New York. He has on some like red jacket with like <laughs> some it was it like like these chains loud <laughs> loud it was some colorful shit it was like it was really it was like very attention getting like look at me and it was very flamboyant not when i say flamboyant i mean like very flashy right and so she said i bet you he's from harlem i said really she said he's from harlem so then he went and sat down she said hey because you know new york girls they don't care they said like, hey <laughs> where are you from and he goes harlem and she said see i told you and I started laughing. That's I said, crazy. Did, I said, how did you know that? She said, I could just tell by how he's dressed. That's how Harlem niggas dress. And You're very flamboyant. Yeah. When I went to, <laughs> and when I went to, um, where's Big L from? Harlem? Harlem. Yeah. You're from Harlem. And that, that was his saying, right? Flamboyant. <laughs> that yeah. Was oh, yeah. I mean, I mean but, but look at Dipset with the pink uh, furs and everything. Like, Harlem, I think, has always been considered like the black fashion capital of like uh, New York, like for better or worse. Because anybody who's really fashionable, like a, a truly fashionable person, Right, is gonna take risk. Wasn't Dapper Dan located in Harlem? Yep, it was located in Harlem. And like, was like, the shiny suit era that came from Harlem? Yeah, right? yeah. 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 Diddy, Diddy's from Harlem. Yeah, see, um, all those people that uh, people are really fashionable. They're either gonna dress really good or they're gonna wear something that's like, what the hell are you wearing? Because that's part of you know being fashionable. <laughs> You're gonna take risks. So like, uh, really fashionable people every now and then are gonna come out with a like, what the hell kind of thing is that? And I feel like that's that's and, Harlem. And that's like, what Dipset was doing. At the verses, I mean, they did everything but rap. It was basically, they came out, Joel Santana had 235 uh, weight, uh, you know, clothes that weighed him down to the ground. Like, he had, like, four shirts on, a big-ass coat, a uh, hat with a do-rag on under it. It looked like it was a tie. I think it thought it was 2002 again, huh? Yeah, bro. Like, and then Cameron, he's doing whatever he's doing. He's got a beach chair out there. You know what I'm saying? He's trying to sit in a beach chair. Like, they were all for the theatrics. Yeah, they weren't there for the show. This, that's not part of a show. That's just theatrics. And what was funny is I was watching some YouTube uh, YouTube guys. I was talking about it for this from New York. I, you know, this is the I watched Star and Buck Wild. Hilarious. Like this is the perfect time to watch Star is after something like that happens because he's talking hot shit. You know what I'm saying? So listening to them and they're like basically saying now because I guess they're all on tour together. So I guess now the bill has switched and now Dipset has to open uh, first. And the locks Ooh. closes the show now. Wow, yeah. I, which makes sense because look at look at how. First of all, if I'm going to a show, I'm going to go see the locks. I already told my brother. I said, look, if these tickets come out to L.A., we going because my brother's only uh, only other locks fan I know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, we'll be. Well, I said we're gonna be there because I didn't even know that he that they performed that good. I honestly stopped going to some shows with older rappers not because they couldn't perform because most of them can perform, but it's just hard to watch them be old and not have enough energy. Yeah. Um, you know, like Ice Cube, I seen him. And he was great because he's a yeah. he's naturally a great performer. He's been performing since he was a you know eighteen. Yeah. But 
But it was still hard because he didn't have that same energy that you get from young people. He was just good yeah. on the mic, sounded good. Yeah. It was pol- he was very polished. Yo, yeah, you yeah. know what I- depressed me in that respect? That 100 mic, the 100 MC, 110 MC thing by Kate Slade. Oh, yeah. That's a perfect example yeah. of what you're talking about, Vita, where yes. a lot of the MCs that came out, like MC Shannon, his teeth, oh some my other God. people. I was like, oh, man. I feel good seeing these guys, but I feel kind of sad because a lot of them aren't looking MC so Shannon's teeth look like Indian corn. <laughs> no no what? disrespect to Native Americans, but his teeth look like Indian corn. Well, that's why I'm saying, man, these rappers need to get together and start trying to talk about forming a union or something. Shit. Man, something, because he well, looked Nori was talking horrible. about that shit. Yo, I'm, dying, I, I'm dying. I thought you were going to say, no disrespect to MC Shan for comparing his teeth to Indian corn, but he said, <laughs> no disrespect to the Indian. <laughs> <laughs> said, no, no, really musicians. Musicians. Yeah, said, no, no disrespect to the Indians for comparing your corn to MC Shan's teeth. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> but really, those uh, all the oh, everyone in the music industry, all the all the performers, definitely need to be looking at trying to form some type of union across all genres of music, man. Because uh, you're right. Look, at, if you if you compare the music industry to the NFL and look at how the NFL used to treat their old timers, it's, it's very similar. You know what I'm saying? Like the people who laid the foundation for the NFL and who you used to watch on all those old highlight films and see all the crazy tackles and all the clothesline tackles and all the crazy plays. Those dudes are jacked up, busted, can't talk, can't walk. You know what I'm saying? Because they didn't get they weren't getting anything out of that after they retired. You know what I mean? And same thing with the founders of hip hop, the people who really laid it down in the 80s and through the 90s and shit like that. A lot of those dudes, they signed bad contracts. They not getting royalty money. They not getting nothing. You know what I'm saying? So but Mario, it would be dope. Uh, you know, I, th- I think the problem with that is, and this is what I think the big problem with it, and the same thing happens with like the NBA and stuff. Um, a-, a big part of like the NBA will be like um, scrubs and role players, and they don't have as much bargaining power as the superstars. And a lot of times... The old heads or the not so hot people can get depends on the level to which the superstars will um will you know back back them up. But a lot of superstars have no incentive to you know really fight for things because they're like, hey, I'm doing okay, you know. So I feel like the same thing happens with hip hop. I feel like what these founders and everything need, they would need all the new people who are doing good now to take a stand with them and get them that stuff. And I feel like. A lot of hip hop is not built like that. Like, there's no type of like like the way that Nicki Minaj can take uh, Little Kim's whole swag and then treat her like she's a bum, and her fans like follow suit. Like, I feel like that's typical. Yeah. Like for for hip hop, that's typical hip hop. That's typical. Well, hip-hop. the good yeah. thing about about what you're saying though, you got to look at it like this: when you have top heavy power, star power like that, like the NBA did to a lesser degree, the NFL, it took those guys. That's why the NBA started to enact. Uh, you know, having stuff for the old timers. That's why the NFL yeah. finally eventually got around to doing it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Exactly. Because yeah. of the pressure from the people who did have the voice and did have the 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 uh, the pull to get it and done. In the, the NBA, not- the NBA players were real, real big on that. Um, bringing in the older players and especially someone like Bill Russell. Like Bill Russell is very visible in the NBA. How you gonna have an award like damn near 80 years old? How you gonna have an award named after Bill Russell, the highest art, and he ain't, and he's doing bad. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that would be horrible. Yeah. So I I, I, I feel like it's the same thing. I, I feel like you could get Puffy, you could get Jay, you could get Nas, you could get, and I feel like if you get those guys in the room, they would sit down and be able to come together and, and speak on it, man. I think it could get done, but the dudes just got to have picture, the, the picture want Picture Dr. To do Dre, it. too. Dudes got to go. Dr. Dre, like all dollars. of them, yeah. Well, Dr. Dre, Dre wanted... Dre ain't Dr. doing shit. Yeah, Dre ain't doing shit. Doing shit he, he got a 38-year-old daughter that's homeless living in a car, so he ain't doing yeah, nothing. Yeah, true that, <laughs> true that. But I don't... You don't I know, know I laugh. I mean, I personally wouldn't let my daughter... I don't give a fuck what was going on in the past. I'm not letting my daughter live like that, but... You know, you don't know what was going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, they, well, you know what well, the mo- the, well, they were saying that she, he was taking care of her and everything. He just happened to cut her off recently. But we don't know why. We don't know the story. Well, yeah, but, but, but the problem that, is, yeah, the, and that's she has where I kids. go with it. Uh, sorry, and that's, sorry, Peter. Yes, no, no. Actually, that's my whole thing, right? It's like I don't actually know what happened in their relationship. I don't know what was like 
you know, having him as a dad either. Because we don't know how deep that pain or how deep that situation goes. So I, I can't really comment on that. But what I will say is this woman has kids. Those are your grandchildren. Yeah, the, yeah, you don't yeah. have to give. See, if I'm a billionaire, I don't even have to give you money. I could just sit you up in a house somewhere. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. That's what I, I, you, you I was thinking You can figure out everything thing. else yourself, but I'll make sure the kids got food and a place yeah. to sleep. I mean, that's yeah. just what Mob James was talking about. Mob James, uh, both his kids are doing prison beds, and he's taking he, care of his grandkids. Got, yeah, he got both of his grandkids. And he said he got a plan for his daughter when she get her. He got a whole plan for her. You know, he said yeah. he already bought her a car. So when mm. it comes time to start doing the job interviews and all, ain't no excuses. He said he got a whole and, plan and, and set up and for what's her wrong for with a that? Year. What's wrong with making it easier for your kids? I don't get it, bro. I don't, I don't understand yeah, that. I don't understand it either, Ken. I, I want to really say don't. that's the bigger, I think that's the bigger conversation because that's the conversation I think people are having generally. So even just outside of Dr. Dre, that concept of not making sure your kids are good, I don't get that. Like, I couldn't even imagine. Like, my mom right now is trying to work out her will. You know what I mean? Because she wants to make sure her kids are straight even if she's not here right. and i don't i don't understand how you have this mentality of, oh these kids like shannon sharp he said it he basically said uh what did he say he said some shit on twitter like so i didn't know what I, I didn't get i didn't get a chance to find out what he said but i knew people was going in on his ass probably similar to what jackie chan was, doing with his son yes it pretty much he basically says something around you have to oh what did he say it was pretty wild though i can't remember what he said but Wait, whatever, what is jackie chan doing with his son well, he said he's not leaving him none of his money. He's got oh, like four hundred million, and he ain't leaving a dime to his son. He said it's going all to charity when he passes what's, away. What's wrong with his son? I guess he he's a fucker. Make up. his own way. Well, he said he said he wanted to make him want him to make his own way. All that stuff. I don't, I, but, see, that's that's I, I, it's got to be more to it than that. Wow. It, it's got, I, I just can't well, believe it's, it's always it's always more. You know what I mean? But Warren but Buffett it, but, did the same thing with his kids. He said but he's even, not. But even more doesn't, even if there's more to it, more doesn't mean there's still good shit underneath. Not you know at what all. I mean? Not it at still all. might be some bullshit. You'd be like, oh, it's, there's more to it. Then you get the more and it's some bullshit. Why? Well, I, I don't understand the whole purpose of, of getting into a, you come from a poverty, a background of poverty. Especially Jackie Chan. You want to make. kicks for $2. Right. You want to make sure that you and your family are in a better position than you were prior to you getting the bread. Why would you cut it off at that generation? It's kind of selfish to me. I understand you know I mean? when someone like uh, Paris Hilton's grandfather, when he cut them off, I understand why he did it. Because they were, they were making the family yeah. look horrible. But somebody like Jackie Chan, dude, you guys know I love Kung Fu movies. I think Jackie Chan was one of the fake Bruce Lees at one point in time. Yep, that's also- how low on the to- That's how low he was in the in the hierarchy of. Hollywood kung fu movies back in the 70s. He was, he was one of those extras that got kicked in the face by Bruce Lee for 10 seconds in a movie. Yeah. Uh, like, like, like when he showed a clip, like, um, they, they circle like one Asian guy's face and they're like, um, that there is Jackie Chan. And then he seemed to get kicked like 10 seconds later. I was watching, I was watching a video, a documentary where they showed him and it was like one of those blinking and you'll miss it type scenes. Uh, have you ever seen it, his, his old, what's that? I'll just say, I, I, I hear what you say. I, I don't get that mentality. And it seems to cross cultures. Like It does. Because he said it. You're saying Shannon Sharp said it. I've heard other people say that. I like, Warren I got Buffett mine. You better kids. get your Warren Buffett's doing it with his kids. Even the multi charity. It's like, I got mine. You better get yours. I'm like, I, but this, I don't, but this, I don't the, but this is the question. What, and, and we don't know the answer to this. But while they're here, have they set up any type of way for their kids to be able to? I mean, are they just basically saying that the kids got to go to college and get their own jobs? And like, you know, it's the whole Bill Cosby saying, I'm rich. You have nothing to his kids on the Cosby show. Like, is that is that what it is? Or is this a thing where they've set up businesses for their kids to run businesses? They've set up ways for their kids to have, I guess, pseudo empires so they can make their own money and make a way. Or are they telling their kids? Well, you graduate high school. I don't know what the fuck you're going to do. I don't know, man. I, I hope you said it's both. No, I'm asking. Like, no, is that, Vita, is I that thought what, Vita said oh, both. Okay. Oh no, I was gonna say uh, the Shannon Sharp. I got the Shannon Sh- Sharp tweet. He said, "In my, he said, I'm my kid's last option, not first first choice." That was what he said. Oh, okay. Well, why, okay, that's different then. I, that's different. I, that's, that's a different. different situation. I thought that he similar with Jackie Chan said because it, well, it was more <laughs> than that because it's a full conversation. But he's basically saying that you know he wouldn't. So get, basically, what he's saying is he's prepared his children to be able to make it out into the world, which is similar to what I tell my daughter. My daughter's 17 years old. And I told my daughter, I don't tell her this all the time because it sounds kind of morbid, but I always tell her like, you know, I want you to, I'm, I'm giving you this information right now so that there's going to come a point in time when I'm not going to be here. 
Now, whether it's because I'm lost my fucking mind or you had to bury me or burn me, whichever you choose to do when I'm dead, it's up to you. But I'm giving you this information because there is going to come a point in time where I'm not going to be here. So I don't need you fucking around out that, there. You know what I'm saying? But I, I will say this, though. At, in the context of what he was talking about in the Dre conversation, there, how do we know? He's saying not first choice, but not being a first choice isn't the same. That doesn't as, mean I ain't got your back. Right. And I, also, I don't think that it means... Um, I don't think my parents should be my last option. My last option is hitting the pole or something, right? Like, right. <laughs> like my parents, and, and, and when I've had struggles, I try to even hide it, particularly for my mom, because my mom likes to help. But I try to, you know, I like to handle things myself. I was raised very independent. You know, my mom didn't raise me. My dad did. My dad was one of those very hands-off parents. Not recommending it, by the way. Um, but um, hands-off meaning he didn't... Um, he, I had to take care of myself, basically, right? I cooked my own right. food, did my own laundry. I got my ass to school myself, all that kind of shit, right? Um, a lot of people think that that's a good thing, and it is in that I was prepared to live on my own to some degree later. Now, I could have been better prepared, but I wasn't. However, as a person who's, who's been independent most of her life, as an adult now, I recognize the role that my mother or my parents in general, but my mother in particular, play in how I can survive now in my 30s, right? So when I need help, my mom is like, okay, I got your back. Not because I'm a fuck up. I'm not a fuck up. I've been working hard myself. I work three to four jobs most of the time, right? So she knows she can trust me and I'm reliable and I'll pay her back if I if she wants me to. Sometimes I don't, not gonna lie. Um, but the thing is, I know my mom has my back. I, last resort for me is I have to do some wild shit. Right? right, right. That's right. last resort. My mom isn't my last resort. And sometimes this is the other thing: kids should be able to go to their parents when they're struggling. That doesn't necessarily mean that you give them the answer or give them the money or give them the solution or or hook them up with everything. But they should at least still be able to go to you and with for support. Like, okay, have you tried this? Like, even if my mom can't help me directly, she'll sit down with me. Okay, let's figure out what's happening with your money. Yeah, let's figure out how we can move around, move this around. Or how can we organize your schedule so you can get shit done so you don't have to be up here asking me for no money, right? Um, not that I ever really ask her. I just bring up I have an issue and she, she thinks I'm asking her. But either way, like, you just, I, your daughter should not be out in the street. Like, if, if, if Dre was doing that, now again, I don't know their situation, but let's just use them as a hypothetical. Um, if Dre was doing that, just supporting her, I promise you she wouldn't have been in the media talking shit. Right. You see what I'm saying? If it was like, well, he did sit down with me. We've been talking. We're trying to figure this thing out. That would be a different thing. But that's not what's happening. When kids start going public about their celebrity parents, there's a lot, there, that, that pain is a lot deeper than people realize. The same thing with Kirk Franklin's son. The shit he was saying. In fact, I listened to what he was saying. Then I went back and looked at some of the shit he was talking about. And I can see why he, was, he felt left out his entire fucking life since his dad got married to that woman. Right. Right. So, so that that pain was so deep. It wasn't just about that one video he recorded. Oh, he a bitch for doing that. Blah blah blah. Because it wasn't even about that one moment. It was about his whole life. And the same right. thing with this situation. I promise you, it's not about this one moment. It's about what's been happening with her and him there in her entire life. I promise you. And it's a, and that's I, a situation. I didn't even know he had a daughter that old. I, I didn't even know that. Well, it's another, she has, it's she situation. has like three other sisters by the same mom. I think right. Well, it's another situation like uh, Mario was saying in the beginning. Do you the way you get your message across, if you don't get it across the right way, people will kind of like turn away. So the way that Kirk Franklin got his message across to his son didn't accomplish anything. Oh, yeah. It didn't accomplish a goddamn thing. You know what I'm saying? All it did was draw attention to him. You know what I'm saying? And look, we all know people like that. I come from a family like that where my dad got remarried. Now he got this new family. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Me and my dad is cool, but we ain't cool. You know what I'm saying? So it's the same thing with Kirk Franklin and his son. You know what I'm saying? They should have a better relationship, but for all we know, and this happens a lot, his new family was more important. Mm. Facts. I've seen and that they won't happen, say yeah. that. They won't happens say it out loud. Yeah, because, and this is what I, from what I've gathered from that, a lot of it has to do, and this is from me working with a lot of families, a lot of it has to do with men feeling like the past was a mistake and that yeah. they fucked up and they don't want to fuck, and, and so they want to focus moving forward, oh, I don't want to fuck up these kids. I don't want to fuck up this family like I fucked up my past family. The problem is they're doing it by trying to leave the past in the past, not realizing right. their kids are still existing. Their you kids brought, are still present. You, you yeah. had a part in bringing this person into the world. You know what I mean? Right. And, and to right. Just, right. Just, to add, just to totally abandon that that responsibility is, uh, is, is, is I don't want to say it's evil, but it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's bad, man. Like um, I don't get how you could do that. I really so, don't. Sometimes it has to do too with the uh, people's feeling about 
the parent, you know, and they the transfer parent, that unfairly yeah. to the kid. Because I feel like that's what's happening with Fifty and his and his son. Like, uh, what what happens with Fifty and his son is like, you know, pretty bad. Like he like he be trolling his son on social media, and you can tell like the son is hurt when the son. He responds. like threat. He threatens him publicly. I think Fifty cents a piece of shit for how he treats his son. And the the scene in Power where Kanan kills his own son. I think that was kind of like a, a low key. But I, I I always try to leave room that social media TMZ yeah. is is a is a snapshot of what actually all Back. goes on with these people. And I think a lot of times and, and even myself, we get lured into this sense of we know everything about these people. We know the whole backstory. We know and we become invested in this shit. And when I say we, I'm generalizing. I'm not saying that we yeah. here, we four here, but yeah, you know what I mean. And so a lot of times we think that we're getting the full context of everything that's going on behind the scenes and what what uh, what overtures have been made by Fifty Tour, his son, or what. It, we don't know. You know what I'm saying. So we just see the 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 well, after the after well, effect. With Fifty and his son, it's a little bit different because Fifty publicly does the shit. Like it's not like we're reading it in TMZ. 50 Cent publicly does a shit on his, his Instagram page, talking shit, of, talking shit about his son. Yeah, so I think he, yeah, he, he posted all types of weird shit. I think he yeah. damn near threatened his son once publicly, right? So, like, yeah, so I, I that's a little bit different because 50 puts his own shit out there. Um, but as far as everyone else, you're absolutely right in regards to, like, Dre, for example, even Kirk Franklin and all that. There's so much more that we don't know. We don't even know the relationships with people around us. Like, I even hear people talk shit. They'll be like, oh, so-and-so had a good life. I don't know why he act like that. I'm like, you don't know what happened in that house. Yep. Yeah. yeah. People don't even realize what happened. But this is the crazy thing. People can live in the same house and don't realize what's happening to their sibling. I, I, I've worked with so many families. You can, there's always this situation in dysfunctional families where there's at least one child that's being mistreated and picked on by the family. The parents, oh, this is the fuck up. You're always fucking up. You're the one who's always, see, he bad. Look at so-and-so. She's always getting good grades, right? So the kid that's, Exactly. She's fast. She's this shit. That's why these men are out here. She out here wanting she wanna be grown. So they talk all this shit about one of the kids. They don't have like their their golden child. This is very much uh the same this is very similar with narcissist parents, by the way. So you'll have these other kids who are the golden child. They're praised. They're this. So as they get older, they think that they they will agree that, uh, with their parent. Oh, man, my brother, he's just a fuck up. Well, my sister, she's just a fuck up. I'm yep. the golden child. So people will be in the same household. And then people will say, well, y'all grew up in the same house. I don't see why so-and-so act like that and you don't. And you'd be like, you don't know what happened in that house, how that parent treated that child. I've watched kids get mistreated while their sibling got treated favorably. Even in my own family, my mom has to go through that. Her siblings are oblivious to the abuse my mom took. It was just wild to me because the shit is like, the, the, they even know the stories, but they even blamed her. Like one time, my, um, my mom was mommy sharing, she shared this publicly. My aunt, uh, when they were little, my aunt apparently did some shit. My, she was supposed to get in trouble, but she didn't get in trouble. My mom got in trouble, and my, and my aunt just let it happen. And my grandfather beat my mother for whatever the thing was. And my mother said, but you even, until this day, my mom talked about it. She said, you know that I, I didn't do that thing, and I got hit for it. So you saw how I was treated. And my aunt's like, no, you used to talk back. You used to talk crazy. She couldn't even eat in her own household. So when people think that they know people's relationships, they know people's families, you don't really know shit. Even if you live in the same house, you might be oblivious. So when people have these comments, what they're often doing is they're trying to relate it to their situation. Like Which is when the Dre, way, so that's the last thing you want to do. Like when Dre had to play, pay alimony, right, for this for his ex-wife. And people were like, oh, look at how horrible she get 300 a month. I'll be honest with you. Dre was probably happy about the 300 a month. Hell that's yeah, cheaper. he was. That's, that's, we, that's, we, that's a drop in the That's bucket. probably cheaper... That's, hell, it's probably cheaper to give her the 300000 a month than being married to her. And that's, right? just, yeah. and that's just a temporary judgment anyway. That, that's exactly. not the final right. disposition but, of the case. So. But see, but people are so invested in it because they look at it like they're either the victim in the story. So they relate it to how they feel. Well, women have treated me this way, so therefore she's treating Dre that way. We don't know fuck about their relationship. We don't know if he did something to her or if she did something to him. Look, man, we we've, been, we've been thinking for the last 25 years that this woman was white and come to find out she's not white. What is she? So we, She's black. So we don't no know way. shit. I swear. She's, I'm not making this up. How'd you find out she was black? You making that up. She ain't I'm not. <laughs> I's, I'm not making this up. She no black. She, she no minigun. Let me see. I don't know. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I thought she was I white for all these years. Wait, I wait, 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 who, wanna, wait, who's black? Dre's uh, wife. Dr. Dre's wife. Dre's ex-wife. I want to I say oh, this oh, real quick. I think, she, I think she's blackish. She, I think she has black in her, but... 
I want to say this real quick to, to piggyback on what Vita was saying about the two people living in the household going through different things. You could also have situations where you have two people that live in the same household and experience the exact same abuses and things like that. And one person turns out one way and the other one turns out another way. You know what I mean? Facts. Everybody's absolutely every individual person is like a, a, a th- is like a fingerprint. You know what I mean? Like everybody has their own individual fingerprint. We have our own individual vantage point and how we interpret things and how we digest things. So you can have two people that grow up in a fucked up environment and one person becomes a doctor and the other person becomes a street hustler. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You just oh, never yeah, know. All the time. Yeah. You just never know. All right, y'all. So that is the end of part one go to again patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks or click the link in the show notes to get part two be good